have a, a colorful graphic here that shows instances of bullshit like this are on the rise. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Government's out to get ya, NASA's out to get ya, the NSA's out to get ya. Police ask public not to shoot after recent Bigfoot sighting. Open the gates. Open the gates! I mean, you can believe what you want, I guess. It's, yeah. You know, but you're wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. You said that. You're wrong in McRongerton. You couldn't be more wrong if wrong hits you in the fucking yeah, crotch. I mean, believe what you want. So, I mean, there's yeah. there's a fine line, but, but there's facts out there. And if you're going to deny the facts, then right. there's no hope for you. Well, obviously, for those of you who are tuning in, you are listening to uh, our next topic that we decided to talk about, which we'll brief you on real quick. Um, first and foremost, I guess, welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. You didn't have a mouthful uh, of beer that time. I no. didn't catch you on that one. Fuck. I'm so proud I'm of you. slacking so fucking well, well, much. Luckily, I was, <laughs> for me, I was looking for something else. <laughs> I was distracted. I'll get you next time. I'll get you, my pretty. So anyway, yeah. So welcome to Strange Uncles. Um, this is season two, episode five. And one of the things that we all have kind of went back and forth with for, God, since we kind of started this trio, I think, and we had a listener that wrote in to say, you guys should really stop touching the iceberg on this and just sit down and fucking talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole moon landing. you know. And obviously we've heard it over and over and over again from other people whether we landed, whether we didn't land, you know, can, we were talking about conspiracy theorists and other things, you know, previously. Um, we really actually, shit, I got a good three, four, five solid days of nothing but notes when I can catch them, shows when I can catch them, internet when I can catch it. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff there. So that's our main topic uh, for this show. You know, we're going to do the the similar reaction and go through some weird news and facts too. Um, I want to give a quick shout out for a really good friend of mine called Chris. Uh, he runs a podcast called Faces and Aces. It's mainly uh, deals with Vegas, but not really Vegas gambling. It's more just Vegas stories as a whole, which I, I think that's why I fucking love Vegas is because it's more stories than anything. I mean, Vegas has a lot of stories. Oh boy, does it fucking ever. So he has a great podcast. He's been doing it for a while. Um, on his last episode, he actually gave us a shout out, uh, what he calls the FNA Minute, for the Connie West interview that we had in regards to Storm Area 51. Um, for those of you who don't know, that was, what, three episodes ago when this whole thing kind of brewed and bubbled about? Sounds about right. I'm not keeping track. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> I lost track already of the seasons. But however, uh, it was a good interview and, you know, it continues and so I guess we can kind of roll into that with the beginning of our news. Um, did you have something updated on Area 51? Because it seems like this shit is a continuing snowball rolling down the fucking proverbial hill. Yeah, I woke up and connected and started staring at my phone this morning, and I saw that Facebook had taken the Storm Area 51 page down for – uh, I don't know, violating their terms of usage or something like that. Um, and Jeremy Corbell and Maddie Roberts, the the maker of yeah, yeah. said meme or whatever, social movement now. <laughs> yeah, you can call it a movement. <laughs> um, apparently right? they took it off, uh, but they're calling, you know, for censorship and 
everything like that. And stupid. So, but you said that they had just put it back up. Yeah, I caught that actually uh, driving home today. They did put it. So this was posted from Jeremy himself saying that uh, Facebook had renewed it, brought the page back up again. Okay. And he's thanking all of us as you know, watchers or followers that it's due to our due diligence that it's back up and Facebook kind of has egg on their face. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very know. strange that they took that down because that it's not promoting. I mean, it could be promoting some stupidity, but everybody by this it point, could be. <laughs> everybody at this point knows that it's a joke. No one's going to try and right. storm. So right. it's strange that they would take that off because they are just trying to promote now a festival of, what they say is knowledge and entertainment and, you know. Yeah, and that's a did you catch that Twitter feed from him too, by the way? I don't know, from Jeremy Corbell. When initially it was pulled down, I think it was like last night or something, but this morning I caught it, where there's no mention of this Storm Area 51 thing. It was all, you're pulling down a Facebook page, who, which we're trying to promote an arts festival and a music festival like there's nothing about what this originally intended to be yeah it's all about arts and knowledge right right i think that's what we're spreading of ideas yeah exactly so fucking a facebook you know fuck you and the horse you rode in on but i'm glad you uh you put that back up there god maybe we should edit that out should i edit that out what i'm not a facebook fan by any stretch of imagination you don't have to be Uh, okay good good i don't want to give that up i mean yeah yeah it is what it is um, what do you have, Josh, on your side? Did you have a news story? Yeah. <clears throat> so I came across this article. Uh, it popped up in like a news app feed while I was uh, laying in bed Saturday morning. Sounds hot. TMI. Yeah. Oh, it was very sexy. So, <laughs> uh, Navy's advanced aerospace tech boss claims key quote unquote UFO patent is operable. Navy officials claim their radical electromagnetic and superconductor technologies aren't theoretical. They're already operable in some form. Yeah. So this is a really long article. Um, I found it on the wire and there's a channel on the, or sorry, the drive. And there's a channel on the drive called the war zone. And that's where this was. It was written by Brett Tingley, who I (laughs) to say used to contribute to mysterious universe, but I might be getting him confused with Brett Swanser, who I know contributes to mysterious universe. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, basically they just go through and detail how, uh, there's an inventor that works for the Navy. Um, and he's submitted several patents for a room temperature, uh, superconductor and a high energy electromagnetic field generator. Yes. Um, which basically they then have said they're using in a hybrid underwater uh, aerospace vehicle. So this could be, it could be that the Tic Tac is actually the Navy's. Um, but because, didn't didn't the patent office reject his patent because they said it actually wasn't operational? No, or they said, feasible or they something said like that? it wasn't, um, they, uh, I'm sorry, the word's, I get confused. Uh, so they said it wasn't basically like it, like you, you couldn't actually do it. And they can't, the Navy came back and said, no, this isn't just uh, workable. It's operable. Yeah. And they said, we have it like, and it was basically like the Navy's patent lawyer, the chief of their uh, aerospace technologies division. And um, another guy that were like, 
no patent office this is real we have it like it's it's not just an, an idea that could work we actually have it and we're patenting and it's operable is, yeah yeah and they right. cite in the article somewhere that uh the reason they want to get these patents through so bad is because they think the chinese have something similar mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. or at least they're using that to uh to get it to try and get it through yeah um there's a bit in the article where they're like this might all be bullshit basically but um or just like a scam to be like no we 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 have this and we have patents on it and it's ac- actually real yeah but, uh, but when in turn it's just so it's a coconut shell game there's, possibly there's mm-hmm. basically yeah. i think a phd in here physicist that's like no that doesn't work yeah but <laughs> so many sci- exactly. i've noticed so many scientists are so arrogant on like yeah they they I'm fit in this little box of their physics and their knowledge yeah. and if anything goes out of the bubble and i mean this has happened because to scientists throughout the history right. when somebody has a crazy idea and they're like oh you idiot that Be- there's no way that would ever work and then all of a sudden impossible yeah, they then, don't even bother trying yeah, yeah and then all of a sudden a new theory is brought yeah and tested and hypothesized and boom okay that works but isn't that the purpose of a fucking good scientist is to think out of the box mm-hmm. otherwise where are we going we yeah. won't go any further there is that is but also like there are rules to. I, I get them, but those a, a lot of those rules method, you know? have been reviewed and changed, or right. found not to be. What I'm saying is, uh, a lot of scientists kind of get stuck in the well. This is the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, I get it. Just so like everybody like, else, just like oh, a job. We think we think yeah. that a room temperature superconductor is impossible, so we're not even going to entertain the thought that you may have. Somehow, right. man. Yeah, I read that article and I got yeah. the when I was reading that dude's um, statement. I was like, he just sounds like an arrogant scientist that thinks he knows it all and is unwilling to take in any crazy yep. new ideas, crazy new Open hypotheses. His mind to anything yeah, that might he be. just he yeah. just thinks he's he knows the black and white of the physics and that's just yep. impossible. He's and it's like, like well, nope, you can't do that. It couldn't, can't be done and won't even like entertain the possibility that they somehow figured out, especially if they're working on it in the Navy. Cause like all of the like black money that gets dumped into the armed services and like classified projects and stuff. Like, yeah. um, I'm, I'm 100 percent sure that like the technology that those guys have access to is 40 years ahead of uh of what your average dude in some college at a lab at like some college has oh, dude i can match yeah. for that the shit that i saw just just some of the small studies being done when they you know tell us to load some up on the ship and oh we're gonna go point a to point b and like bings and tings that you would hear behind you oh that's just a sonar like is there some that just didn't really fit yeah. when I was in the Navy? And that was years ago. Yeah. You know, that's just military in general. I think they're just ahead of the game. But I mean, I think I think black projects. Well, they have to be. Yeah, well, black projects are yeah. 40 to 50 years ahead of. That's a standard. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's pretty well accepted, like, as yeah. fact. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting, though. I got to say. And you know what's funny is that one blurb I caught in there was uh, talking about a lot of the reasons the patents get denied is because the patent clerks and the the, the people that are reviewing them just don't fucking get them. You don't so understand. They don't yeah, get they them. Don't, so yeah, they they're just not go, well written nope. for people that aren't versed in. Right. So we're just going to say, do. fuck you. We're going to deny this. And you know. yeah, that's like what the patent lawyer's job is, is to explain it to the patent clerk. Like, 
okay, Tom, (laughs) I know this is a little bit above your fucking head, (laughs) but like, and I can't bring you on the base and show you, but this is basically in layman's terms how it works. And it's a thing. Just fucking stamp it. Please, please, Tom. Can you please (laughs) work with us? We'll buy, we'll buy you some chicken wings, Tom. Just make this happen. But yeah, I just, I thought it was super interesting. and, And I thought especially the aspect of, uh, of, the military like black budget research stuff being um, way more advanced fits in nicely with what we're talking about today. I think so. I think that's a good fit. Um, you mentioned that uh, one of the reasons for this patent or might not be that, Hey, we're patenting this because it's a good possibility that China could be working mm-hmm. on something similar. Well, China was in the news today <clears throat> and I found this very interesting. And this actually appeared a while ago too. And uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but uh, this happened on, uh, it was August 5th, was a video. I think it's happened on August 3rd. Massive ghost city appears on lake in China. So I'm not going to play the YouTube video, but if you look in the back, I've seen this lake without the city. Literally, it's a lake. There's nothing behind it. Now, this is something that has happened in the past, and they chalk this phenomenon yeah. up to be called uh, Feta Morgana. Yeah, and it's, it happens like all over the world. So. It does. Yeah, exactly. And it's basically clouds and light and how they bounce off certain things. And they, they cause a mirage is what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, not just my cool little fucking car, but they cause a mirage and people see it. Um, what's interesting though, is the one that I caught in 2015, and I don't know if anybody saw this, it was in um, another Chinese province called Jingai. Uh, Jingai. Jingai. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that one. Yeah. Anywho. That sure works. guy. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure guy. <laughs> um, they actually showed a city that was floating in the sky. And I've seen the video and literally, it's not just a city. It's like skyscrapers and buildings. And and it was four minutes, I think, recorded. That yeah. There was something there. Um, yeah. And that's what they chalked this up to be. Same thing. It, it's a mirage. We got light refraction, this and that. That's some crazy light refraction. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a lot of times, especially when it happens in China, they'll blame it on air pollution. Yeah, and they'll say they it's a city that's like five miles away, just being reflected weird because the air's so full of shit. Yeah, is that um, kind of like similar to when they would see like ships above the water? Yeah, exactly. Very. Like ghost ship. So sailors, ghost ships in the yeah. middle of the ocean. Same thing. That's what they say. This phenomenon. That's, yeah, the ship's really like five miles away, but it looks like it's above the water yeah, right in front right. of you. Right. Um, like, oh my God. So that's part of it. But like, there've been sightings where it's like, no, this doesn't look anything like any city that's anywhere near here. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like this isn't a city that's 10 miles down the road, one. 30 miles down the road. Like it. And some of them, like the one that was in 2000, what did I say? 15 that was floating in the sky. There's some built, like if you, I watched the video several times over and actually they had a couple people with cell phones that took it and just, it would show up. So they broke out their cell phones and they started filming. Um, yeah, there's skyscrapers, there's buildings, but there's a few of them that I don't look, I, I can't say futuristic, but kind of, I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> and it's there's just weird. the same video from different cell phones? Different yeah. cell phones, but the exact same video. So nobody's, it, it's not doctored by any stretch of imagination. But again, is it this phenomena where it's light refracted off a fucking telescope and it was a swamp balloon and swamp gas and whatever. I hope it's I another. Know. I hope it's another dimension coming I, through. Yeah, I do too. Have you? Have, <laughs> I need to say thank you for going there because I didn't want to say the veil. it. <laughs> but, have, yeah. have you guys seen the movie? Uh, I think it's called Midnight Run. Came out a couple of years ago with Michael Shannon and uh, a couple other people in it. It's 
really weird, really intense kind of like action movie where it just starts with him like with a kid and they're just running away from people. Wait, is that the one where the kid has superpowers? Kinda. Yeah. Was it like okay. turned I out I what you're talking about? I mean, spoilers if you haven't seen it, it's really good. You should check it out. But yeah. um just like they had escaped from a cult where everyone was worshiping the kid because he had what they considered powers. I think he could right. like hear people from another dimension or some shit. I can't remember exactly. Lucky. But uh, <laughs> at the end, there's like a scene with like a city in the sky like that where it's like from the future. So again, spoilers, I guess. Yeah, no, it's a little yeah. late after the fact, but that movie came out a couple years ago. So if you haven't seen it yet, fuck off. That's Our, interesting. The whole dimension thing just fucking amazes me. Yeah. Anyway, I always mention it. Too cool. I love that. I love that. Um, I have another one that uh, kind of ties into our moon story today. And this is from space.com. It's a crash moon lander splattered live organisms onto lunar surface. So uh, an Israeli lunar lander Bereshit crashed onto the surface of the moon on April 11th of 2019. And hmm. among the wreckage were thousands of small micro animals called tardigrades uh yeah they're often referred to as water bears and apparently tardigrades are the toughest animal in the known universe so resilient that they've been found living on the exterior of the international space space station um apparently they're not going to be crawling around on the lunar surface because scientists uh dehydrated them first They're in hibernation. Yeah, but they can also be revived for years after the procedure. Mm -hmm. And apparently these these little creatures can survive in temperatures as low as 328 degrees. And the lowest temperature found on the moon uh, at night by China's Chang'e 4 lunar probe measured to be uh, minus 297 degrees. So not even close to... Cold enough to kill these things. Um, so, so humans have basically put a life form <laughs> on the moon. So, uh, <laughs> like literally, this isn't science fiction. Um, I heard they were doing a story about this on Yold NPR when I was on my way to work this morning, uh-huh. and they interviewed the guy from like one of the uh, foundations that is doing this. Um, it's called like the Ark Foundation, and they're just trying to like put life like out in the solar system. And so there's like the tardigrades and then there's like DNA from people like in another spot of the thing. Is that a good thing? Is that just me going, ah, do we want to do that? (laughs) What if we're just living in the past and that's the future and that's our future selves by the DNA? Yeah, that this is you stop. You're caught, blowing my fucking this mind. This is what dude. causes all the UFOs and the aliens coming back <laughs> yeah, from yeah. us because we really are Jesus from the future. <laughs> because we yeah, we're right now in a simulation. <laughs> because we right now have sent the oh. human DNA out into space. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, 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 you. No, no, no. I, uh, I mean that's like basically the plot of the first Star Trek movie, and it was awesome. <laughs> that V'ger, V'ger, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. uh, but no, like they were talking to the guy, and his name was like Nova something Russian, but he would sounded like an American dude. Like, I don't know if he like changed his name or something, but uh, it was, he was very, uh, glib about the whole thing, which I thought was hilarious. Like, Jesus, just like, yeah, a small, a small impact, (laughs) like just a bump. you know. Well, see, I knew they launched it. I knew they launched Indian probe up there. They had difficulties. I didn't even know Israel had a space program. Uh, not a very big one, but they've got one. Yeah. I was like, wait, Israeli moon rover. What? <laughs> um, yeah, There's well, so many jokes here. Well, it crashed, anyway. so yeah. yeah. 
Well, they're, but mm. their whole thing is like they've launched some stuff, like the same kind of stuff to other places. And, um, and there's some stuff on Earth too. He's like, they, they basically just want to make sure that the solar system's seeded with life, both as like a precursor to human colonization and in case anything happens to uh, us. I still don't think Just in case. Idea. And uh, the tardigrades are like, they're microscopic. I don't no, think. I've seen them. I, yeah. I know exactly what they are. They look kind of cute actually underneath a microscope. Yeah. yeah. And they will survive anything. Basically. Fuck a cockroach. These yeah. tardigrades are like. Um, when they get dehydrated or like the scientists did, or like if the conditions are too harsh, they just go into like an- suspended animation. Yeah. And like uh, NASA scientists are studying them to try and figure out deep space travel. Like how do you do suspended animation, which I think is super, super interesting. I think that's interesting. They've been working on that for a while, but I think they're a little bit closer. You know, yeah. well, they've been a lot closer the last two years, it seems. So, ah, too cool. All all awesome stories. Um, I think we are ready to land into uh, what we came to give you guys. That sounds dirty. That was a but, really bad pun. <laughs> However, this is where we're at here. So um, we are going to land into the moon talk. Um, the moon talk actually is amazing. And just to quote the research, I've got research from different facets. Um, I cover a little bit of truth about the landings. I also pull it out of uh, what happened on the moon, uh, uh, a documentary called Operation Loon, um, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, along with everything from the internet. What do you guys got on your side? Yeah, I've got uh, the truth behind the moon landing on Science Channel, um, countless numbers of scientists talking on YouTube and <laughs> uh, same yeah. same and also like I've been obsessed with NASA and the moon landing in one facet or another since I was a little kid so like yeah I've, you got a pretty good pretty good firm got, grasp got on my this. big my big old dumb brain you got your hands on the titties on this one yeah okay. I might not be able to cite exactly where the information came from which might sound like I'm making it up but uh, I've like researched this on and off forever yeah well, I've been I've been putting my nose to the wheelstone lately. So, if you can't figure out where it came from, hopefully, maybe I can pick. Like, oh, actually, I'll just oh, be like, I know where from you got John's that from. Notes. Put, put your glasses from on, John's notes. <laughs> <laughs> like Mister Librarian over there. So, I'd like to cite Jonald uh, Finnegan about. <laughs> Calm down. What's your middle name, Reginald? I'm making that shit up. It's probably not Reginald. It'd be good though. It's Michael. Michael. Oh, well, you didn't have to say that out loud. Okay. My name's John Michael Finnegan, everybody. John Michael Finnegan. There you are. So anyway, when we talk about this, uh, just to kind of narrate where we're at, you know, we're not going to cover missions that led up to the moon landing like the Gemini and Atlas. You know, they were there. We know they existed. I don't think, well, we don't have time really to go into all that stuff. Um, We're not going to go into the huge deal about all the Apollo missions before Apollo 11, because I, I don't think that that's pertinent information. I think this really is focusing on Apollo 11 and then the missions after and what that looks like and how they worked up to that. I think Apollo 1 is kind of important. Uh, I mentioned, yes, yeah, so you beat me to the punch. Suffice uh, to say, gotcha. Apollo 1 mission did not turn out good. I think that that's something that we can mention because that was horrific. And they did um, they did learn a lot from that tragedy, though. They yeah. did, Well, which is, which is a plus. And that's one of the conspiracy theories. <laughs> it, it is. It's, oh, my God. We're chock full of this. Um, uh, so we're not going to do that. That's kind of the way we're going to go. But we're going to wrap everything up to what Apollo 11 was. And Apollo 11 was actually pretty amazing. Um, infamous in its own right, Apollo 11 
which at 2017 on July 20th, 1969, after three days and 250,000 miles, landed Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon while their fellow cosmonaut, jokes aside, Michael Collins waited in the command module. They spent a little over two hours on the surface and collected almost 50 pounds of moon rock to bring back and successfully landed back to the hometown Earth three days later. Or did they? I guess is why we're doing this episode. Yeah. So, um, some quick stats to throw out there. I have a few, and I think John has some too. Um, and this is interesting. So, these are our current stats. Actually, I think uh, 2018 is one of the last years for the Americans because there's not a new consensus for 2019. I find that funny being that the Apollo 50th anniversary was 2019, but yeah, whatever. 15% of Americans believe we faked the moon landing. Yeah, one out of one out of 20 Americans. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, is One out of crazy. 20 believe we've never been to the moon, right? Never believe, yeah. Correct. So like I, I can understand thinking that the original 1969 landing was faked because I was in that camp for a brief minute years ago. But like that we've never gone at all to me is like insane. <laughs> just because I mean, it's every country so got e- someone up there got like rovers and landers. Like why would everybody be like, yeah, we've got a rover on the moon. Yeah. It's just easily beautiful. Easily provable that we have been to the moon. Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. So now with this being said, I'm going to put myself out there because I, for the, for those of you who listen to the podcast for a long time, I never said that we didn't land on the moon, but I never agreed that we did. So I've been a fence sitter for a long time, mainly because, you know, I've heard the research. I've seen things out there. I've never really dived into it like we did on this one. Mm-hmm. And I will say I came out the other side a little bit different. You know, I'll, I'll honestly admit that. Um you know, and we'll go through that as we go. But you know, yeah, there's different conspiracy theories out there. There's everything from we didn't land when we supposed to, when we right. said we landed, we didn't land at all. We saw something, and they told us to get the fuck out. Um, we have bases up there, so they're faking that whole thing. Like, there's eight different varieties of this whole yeah. moon thing. Some yeah. of them are very, very compelling, and a lot of them contradict each other. <laughs> very much so, which I fucking find hilarious. Um, more stats, 56% of Brits believe that we faked it. And that's actually 2019, Mm. uh, 57% of the Russians believe we faked it, which I find funny because the Russians in the mid seventies did land unmanned probes on the moon and brought back lunar rocks. So, um, and I'm actually the Russians fake thinking we faked it makes total sense to me. It doesn't, it doesn't. But if the Russians thought we faked it back in 1969, just to start this conversation, don't you fucking think they would have said something? They would have absolutely driven their rover over to Tranquility Base and been like, hey, guess what? There's nothing here. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So there's something to be said about that. But, you know, we'll we'll go into that as we we go. So Um, other things to start this with, Uh, just, I guess, a precursor. To moving up to where we're at in Apollo, Apollo 11, 1969, there's a reason that we had a race to get there. There's a reason that we had such a gumption to try to say, hey, we're going to make this date. And it's something Kennedy laid down. Um, October 57, the Ruskies launched the first satellite ever into space. Most of us know that. The gauntlet at that point was thrown down. So obviously, we had to get our shit together. Uh, NASA wasn't even a thing in 57. It was in 58. And if you guys remember this Melissa Strange Uncles for a while, Way back in episode 10, we covered the whole thing about NASA. 
the different organization that's, that NASA soaked into, and it just was – it's absolutely crazy. And then don't forget the Nazis we hired or acquired, whatever you want to – Yep. however you want to word that. So – Project Paperclip. Uh-huh. That's there. So adding to this, on April 12th, 1961, the Soviets successfully sent the first man into space, a one man called Yuri Gagarin. So no surprise that on May 25th, 1961, uh, Kennedy would make his infamous speech. Ask the Congress, above and beyond the increases I have earlier requested for space activities, to provide the funds which are needed to meet the following national goals. First... I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space, and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. In conclusion, let me emphasize one point. It is not a pleasure for any president of the United States, as I'm sure it was not a pleasure for my predecessor, to come before the Congress and ask for new appropriations, which place burdens on our people. I came uh, with, uh, to this conclusion uh, with some reluctance. But in my judgment, this is a most serious time in the life of our country and in the life of freedom around the globe. And it is the obligation, I believe, of the President of the United States to at least make his recommendations to the members of the Congress so that they can reach their own conclusions uh, without their judgment before them. All right, so this is another quote. We must understand that the kind and magnitude of space program that our national interest requires will cost hundreds of millions of dollars each year for many years to come. I know that some knowledgeable people fear that although we may be willing to spend a couple of billions for space technology in 1958, because we still remember the humiliation of Sputnik last October. Next year, we will be so preoccupied by color television or new style cars or the beginning of another national election campaign that we'll be unwilling to pay another year's installment on our space request bill. For that to happen, well, I just assumed we didn't start. Fortunately, for the sake of our children's future, if not for the protection of our own skin, I do not think we are that grasshopper-minded. We can and we must succeed in finding our destiny in space. And that is a quote from Homer E. Newell, uh, at the time Associate Administrator for National Aeronautics and Space Administration. And I give this to you guys. I copied this today. Hopefully Mike's picked this up. <laughs> 225 yeah, like pages. A of paper. <laughs> this is 225 pages of the Astronautics and Aeronautics 1967 that was written by the Science and Technology Department of NASA. They felt it, for some reason, 67, to put everything together, like literally almost day by day, week by week, on everything that they did. And this is one year. This isn't so, mind you, again, NASA's 1958 on. Interesting read. You know, I just thought it was fucking funny to slam it on the table in front of you guys. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of where the quotes from. <laughs> yeah, call that production value. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually amazing. I stumbled on that on uh, some PDF file that was somewhere. It just, you know, it just kind of blew my mind completely. So I don't know if you want to take a peek or you give a shit. Um, I anyway. thought of the environment when printing this email. <clears throat> yeah, I cut down a couple trees on that one. <clears throat> Sorry. That's what it is. Um, One-sided? Shane. Yeah, I know, right? At least it's recyclable. I'm, I'm mortified. <laughs> but that kind of sets up what we're going to talk about. Um, from side here, you know, obviously, 
we're mostly on the conspiracy thing here to kind of disprove what the fuck. You know, we heard the basics. You know, there's no stars in the sky. Why is the flag moving? Shadows aren't the same. Yada, yada. Right? These are all the common ones. I've still got some questions, I'll be honest with you, too, yeah. that I would like unanswered, but I like a conversation about. And and they're not really a thing as much as it is just a political retrospect of sorts, if that makes sense. And I'll cover sure. it as we go into it. Um, but this is kind of this is kind of where we're at. Yeah. Well, that's well, why we're here today is to discuss some of those questions and hope that we can answer some of these questions because there are some good questions out there that fall in line with the conspiracy of you know either not landing on the moon or not landing on the moon when we said and those questions need to be addressed and hopefully we do our job and we can yeah convince you that we did land on the moon one way or another when we said we did yeah and i mean yeah. a little behind the curtain like we were coming at this a lot differently before we started diving into it where it was like uh we were a little bit not all of us were as convinced as we are now you know and well said i before we started researching this topic i always thought we went to the moon there was no question in my mind um and i guess the only thing that I would say that plays into a conspiracy type of role. So I was like, well, I definitely believe we went there, but did we go there when we said we did? Yeah. And after yes. researching this whole thing, I 100% believe we went there when we said we did. And there's just no conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, y'all know yeah. I don't trust the government, but. Yeah, I don't think I don't anybody think here at this table this trusts the fucking government. You know? <laughs> no. No, but I mean, there's science and facts to prove unequivocally that we were there when we yeah. said we were there. Well, let's jump into it, shall we? And let's start because you've got notes to lead off of this. I know, John, and I know, Josh, you have some things too. Um, I think it would behoove us to go back to kind of maybe where the conspiracy idea started. Okay. And that actually starts with a guy named uh, Bill Casing. So Bill uh, worked for Rocketdyne for a long time. He, you know, there's a lot to his history, but he supposedly came across documents for uh, the Mercury, Gemini, and Atlas projects that led him to believe that we um, didn't have the tech to get to the moon. Okay. And this was way back. This was uh, 68, 69, 70 timeframe. So he put a book out in 1976 called uh, We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 Billion Swindle. And he stated these facts mainly in the books. He had a lot of them, but these were some of the facts. And I think we can stem off this and we can go from there. Sure. Um, he said, we lack technology, number one. He said, absence of stars, which is a common one. You, know, you don't see any stars up there on the planet. Um, he said, optical anomalies in the pics that were given to us that we saw mm -hmm. was a problem. Uh, he said, absence of blast craters for jumping off of the moon. Um, and this also led to the death of Thomas Barron. This is something else he said in his book. And you guys both have information on this from something that you watched, I think. Um, Thomas Barron was a quality control safety inspector. He had a mysterious death, I think, with a train, if I remember our texting back and forth. Right. Yep. So Casey also believed um, that he was killed prematurely and it was staged. He also believed that we staged Apollo 1 and the Challenger accidents as well. This is kind of where the conspiracy seed, I think, was planted to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what do you, what should we get into first? I mean, uh, just if we want to get into the pictures of no stars, 
I mean, that's, I think that's a good place to start right there. Sure. I think because that's a common one. Everybody brings that up. I yeah, mean, and uh, actually, I thought, you know, that that was a question I had. I'm like, oh, that that's weird. Yeah, why aren't there any stars on there? And um, it's actually a pretty simple explanation. It's so <laughs> you're dying over there, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to restrain Here, myself. Go, go for it. It's fucking daytime on the goddamn moon. Of course, there are no stars. <laughs> Well, and that's not that doesn't even have anything to do with it, really. It's the the cameras that they had were set to daytime settings, right? Which means the aperture and the shutter speed were set to photograph things in the daytime, right? And, and so close, more close. Yes, up. and so when you have that, you're not the sky is just going to look black, whether it's on Earth or it's on the moon, and that's why you don't get any. Um, the exposure just wouldn't be able to capture the stars. It would just be too right. dark. And it's like a bright light from a stage shines in your face and you can't see that stage. So the aperture is how big the hole is for the camera. And I see you laughing over there. And then the fast shutter <laughs> speed with uh, the small aperture on moon because of the brightness on the moon. So that's why you're not getting any stars is is because of that. If 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 they went up there with cameras with a different shutter speed and a different size of aperture, they would 100% easily catch stars up there. Yeah, like basically if they were there to take pictures of stars and not what they were seeing on the moon, then we'd have pictures with stars. Yeah, yeah because Absolutely. they would have different yeah. settings in their camera. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. So, I mean, right. that's just easily, so easily explained. Um, one of my favorite conspiracy theories about the moon landing is not that we didn't land but that uh the reason that the sky is blacked out is that nasa was hiding uh evidence of ancient civilizations that were under like you know, glass domes and shit bullshit <laughs> i got this on this that bullshit. one's my favorite yeah, i thought that was funny because uh, i i really want that to be a thing uh well, okay, so we're talking about the stars, pictures, everything else. Let's dive into, um, here's my question. Let's dive into photos, shall we? Because how many thousands and thousands of photos were taken between all the Apollo missions, not just one? Um, this is something I, I came out with. I'm going to throw this out to you you guys and find. I found this in two different research things. Um, all the pictures they take, so they are all taken with the same kind of camera, mm -hmm. all same type. Same thing with video camera. It was mounted. For those of you who may or may not know, you know, you wonder, well, how the fuck did they just snap a picture? This isn't fucking Polaroid on the moon. Well, okay. They had kinda cameras was. mounted to, well, kind of was. They, they practiced, number one, which we'll get into where they practiced. But they had cams, uh, camcorders mounted on their chest. They had cameras mounted to where it was really easy to take a picture, really easy to frame in. Mm -hmm. um, they practiced, again, before that, to frame said pictures in to know where they're standing, how they're standing it how it looks when you see it in the screen. Yeah, no detail was overlooked. <laughs> hours and hours and right. hours of hours working and hours just and on hours. taking a picture with your tits. Right. Exi Jesus. Sound like my wife, dude. So uh, this is a question. All the pictures should have crosshairs because of the type of the camera, right? The crosshairs line up what is in there. In fact, there's two, uh, if you guys look at the pictures, there's four in the corner, and there's one main in the center right. that focus and everything. Um, there are quite a few pictures that were taken where it literally looks like the object sits in front of the crosshairs. No, I'm sorry, sits behind the crosshairs, not in front of the crosshairs. Like literally some of the crosshairs are blocked out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Now, 
So yes, they had to come back. They had to develop them. Another question I have is the temperature of the moon. Okay. It gets as cold as minus 280 degrees, which you talked about before. Mm. And it gets as hot as 250 degrees on the moon. That's usually the range it ranges from. We landed on the day, which we did because it mm-hmm. was, you know, when we when we launched out, when we landed. Um, That's why we had our um, cameras set to that uh, time time frame. Get it as well. Yeah. You know, so okay, understand that. So the aperture, everything else. What about the film itself? The film itself was just regular film. It wasn't super space duty film. It was film that goes in a camera that's really expensive. There was no casing around the camera. There's no casings around the videos. So at 200 some odd degrees, yeah, the astronauts might have a suit to protect themselves, which by the way, 21 layers is what a spacesuit consists of, I found out, which I didn't know. I'm like, holy fuck, think about bowling out. I thought gloves were bad in the wintertime. Can you imagine 21 layers? But what about the film and the cameras? What about the film and the video? Uh, I don't know enough about film to know if heat affects it. Heat does affect it. So heat at 175 to 180 degrees, film will start to basically unravel itself and not keep prints on it. All right. And so that's one thing and on. Where did you see that they didn't have any kind of casings or protection? For uh, the they had casings of protection, but just for the mounting, according to the pictures and everything else. And again, they might have had a different wrap. According and, to the pictures, like where did you see that it says that, oh, yeah, we just went out there with cameras and didn't think about like putting anything around them to protect the film if we know that it yeah. unravels. It. I, I highly doubt that they that was just like the hugest oversight where they just thank you put a regular camera in space and strapped it on there. I'm like, all right, take this uh, Kodak. Yeah. Regular film. fucking Snapchat, especially when you know what the temperature of the moon is, because we knew what the temperature was. There's we already no, had we knew a lot about it. There's no way they overlooked that small discrepancy. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I mean, I'm not, I ask I'm these film... questions because these are the questions that other listeners wrote to say, okay, what about what about? So that's sure. why we're doing this. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, no, and this and, is where we're at. and I, I totally understand that, and I think it's fair. I just am like. I guess it's not really fair of me to be like, I want to know where you heard that when I am like, I don't know. I've been researching this on and off forever and I can't remember where I've learned whatever, but I haven't come across that particular question, but to me, it seems like they would have prepared for that. So me as well. I don't see why they wouldn't have At, at this point in time. Weren't we flying the U2 and like, didn't we have spy satellites up already? Um, 1969. Yeah. I think it was actually deployed in late 68, the U2. So obviously we already knew about high altitude. Right. To a certain point. Pretty close to the edge of the atmosphere. So. Well, not only that, but the Apollo missions prior orbited. Yeah. Like we might not have landed on the moon, but Apollo 9 orbited the moon and and did a nice practice run. Taken pictures of it. So I'm pretty sure they knew. So we kind of got an idea. Thank you. So that answers that question. That was one that was written in. Um, And it it had me thinking a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, wait. You know, they're using fucking awesome cameras, awesome video. That is a good question. Yeah. Like when you brought that up, I was like, oh. I don't even know how to answer that. This motherfucker asking like, but <laughs> no. where did you hear that there was no casing for the camera? Because that sounds like something NASA wouldn't do. Right. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Here's your lunch for work. Thank you, honey. There's no sandwiches. There's no cookies. There's no just the bag. Here's here's Have your fun. here's your lunch here's for your... work, but there's no bag. 
You can just put it in. Carry it in your pockets. Have fun there. So anyway, that was my thing with the photos. And if you look at their spacesuits and the cameras that are connected to them and everything, they're huge. That does not look like just a regular camera. No, and so just to kind of touch bases on that again, too, because this is something else that I was asked on a couple, well, what about, oh, it's fucking hard to grab a rock when you're wearing, okay, yeah, granted it is. But again, we cover a couple things. Hours and hours and hours of practice, first of all, which we'll cover where that was. 21 layers of an outfit between nylon, and actually two of those layers were added after Apollo 1, unfortunately, had the accident. And so they decided to line in um, fireproof layers. So things didn't spread quite so bad. Um, But those suits individually weighed 185 pounds. So those guys were carrying around 185 pounds of weight in those things. Not on the moon. Not on the moon. Not on the moon. No, one-sixth of gravity, right? Yeah, so So, uh, quick maths. What's one-sixth of 185? Hold on. Let me get my fingers out. Let me take my shoe off. I'll get this figured out. Give me five minutes. (laughs) Um, While we're... Talking about photographs, um, there's one conspiracy of why we can't take photographs of the debris left. Like, yes. why don't we have why don't we have any photographs of the lunar lander? Why don't we have any photographs of the flag, um, etc. Whatever. Right. So the first uh, thing I have to say about that is the moon is over 240,000 miles away. That's a quarter of a million just about. So give or take. <laughs> give or we, take 10,000 miles. Right. We don't have a lens or a telescope on Earth powerful enough to see a 14-foot object on the surface of the moon. Um a teles- we would have to have a telescope about 50 yards across to even be able to see a speck of the lander on Earth. Um, and, and if all, you make all, a mirror that big, it won't work. Yeah, and all, yeah. all lenses have limitations. We have an atmosphere that distorts everything. Um, and the lunar lander would take up about one pixel on the best photo of the moon from the Hubble telescope because the Hubble telescope is only about roughly... 350 miles above us. So that is still 239,000 miles away, the Hubble telescope. It's designed to look far away, not up close. Yeah, it's not designed like a regular – exactly. It's not designed like a telescope. Oh, you're going to see this and this and this. It's completely different configuration. So, I mean, the the debris on the moon is just too hard to photograph from – how far away it is, but there is a lunar orbiter that orbits the moon. And we actually do have, you can see, um, Oh my God. The name escapes me. Um, tranquility base. Tranquility base. Yeah. There we go. We're initially. Nice. Yeah. All right. Thank you. You get a Tootsie roll. Good on you. Awesome. Oh, uh, but gee, that thanks. actually has <laughs> taken pictures of it, and you can actually see. I mean, they're not like Google You can see foot pitches, tracks, too. You can see where all that stuff is yeah. from that. Cool. So before we got into all of this for this episode, like I was like, I know that there's photos of it, and I was thinking like Google Earth or like a telescope. And then when we were, when I was watching Truth Behind the Moon Landing and they did the telescope bit and started mm-hmm. getting into all this, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like yelling at Shane about looking at <laughs> looking at the remains of the base. What the fuck, dude? 
Yeah, it's just it's just it's just way too far to. I mean, get that. I mean, yeah. Well, well not if, only if you that. really if you truly think about it, and even the 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 lunar orbiter that's orbiting the moon right now isn't getting you know clear as day pictures right. of the lander and the flag. And I mean, just the, think about a flag that's like a few feet by a few feet. Yeah. Well, I well, mean, there's only so many things you can see from space. It's like, oh, you can actually see that from space on from Earth. You know, it's like the Great Wall. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, fucking which awesome. is Grand fucking gigantic. Like the yeah. analogy that I liked the best from that show was that it was like the closest we can get um, as far as field of view is like I think he said it was either 300 or 600 miles, and he was like. That's like looking for a. That's like taking a picture of all of New England and trying to find a minivan. Yeah, like you just it's not gonna happen. Yeah, and think about one pixel of the best photo from Hubble telescope. One pixel. Yeah, like one. That's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of a thing that takes pictures of distant galaxies, <laughs> like yeah. Well, let me add to this. Actually, let's macrocosm this a little bit. Not micro, but macro. So we talk about, okay, what we can see, what we can't see. We talk about the orbiter, you know, now, not only did the order see like some of the, the blast sites where we're at and tranquility, that area, but you can see little footy prints of the astronauts going back and forth, which wasn't there before, but now it is there now of their two hours, seven hours, every mission that they had up there. But we've, we know that there's also been probes landed on the moon, not just yep. our probes, but other probes. And they've taken pictures, obviously. And so when we compare our picture from, say, 1969 or 1970 for a mission we did, the probe has taken the exact same pictures of the exact same landscapes, ranges, mountains, rolls, to mimic what it is. So if we did this in a sound studio, <clears throat> that would be some pretty fucking matched up damn balls on stuff, yeah. right? That would have to be the most synchronous, syn- synchronistic, synchronistic, Craig, Greg, <laughs> synchronistic, yeah. uh, damn Craig thing ever in the entire history of the Yeah. Because, universe. yes, because I don't think yes. they could have gotten that level of detail without being there. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Either. Like if you were just saying the orbiters still can't get like a awesome clear as day picture of tranquility base. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they could, use especially the orbiter from like the sixties to get a good enough picture to be like, okay, this is how it looks. Yeah. Match every crater and every, yeah. yeah. So, and that's the thing. And so when we're on that topic too, just real quick to cover, because this is another question that I had, I got an argument with a guy years ago for this. Um, They had five different places that actually practice a moon landing. So they went across the country world actually, and they picked different places where they thought it was going to be similar to what the moon is. Okay. One of the places, uh, Cinder Lake, Arizona, Grand Canyon, they practiced, um, Sahara Blanca in Texas, uh, Nevada has a national security site that they practiced in Hawaii because of the lava fields and the train and how that works. Um, two places that, and this is where I think really stems for conspiracies to go, well, they did it in a sound studio, right? Um, they built yeah, two right. studios. They built one in Houston, Texas to practice where they were in their suits, picking up rocks, doing whatever they want to do. They did another studio in Langley Research uh, Facility in Hampton, Virginia. Um, and again, we talk about hours and hours and hours of practice. This right. is where these practices occurred. And they had, yeah, there's pictures of them having landscape. They have the lunar module behind them. They have, they're in their suits. Yeah, like, I mean, astronauts would work in, like, a pool to simulate, 
like low or no yeah. gravity or a tilted know? wall. Yeah. So it would simulate them and, and they're, you know, one six of gravity. I mean, these guys practice for hours on end. I mean, yeah. we keep, we keep saying that, but I mean, it's, it's a really good point to drive home is right. They don't go up there just, you know, Hey, you week, done with your beer? A week of Let, practice. Let's get in the shuttle. Yeah. Go. Like, yeah. I, 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 I like think, that. And they try and mimic as much as they can, you know, real world, real world, situations i think something that a lot of people forget too is that not only are most of these dudes especially when you're talking about like in like the apollo program but even still today most astronauts are engineers and like have fucking phds and shit and then the a lot of them came out of like test pilot programs too like you prepare they're they're they know how to prepare well when you're talking about the crew for apollo 11 that wasn't the original crew for apollo 11 they were practicing for other missions before that right and they got bumped up so buzz and neil and michael like and collins you know did that yeah um so that was interesting but a couple things that i had when it comes to when we talk about and both of you answer these questions because again this is just why did we do it on closed circuit TV? In when case we this? something went wrong, like right. horribly, instead of broadcasted it across wrong. the world, and um, how do we snip that news feed? There was a speech prepared for, I believe it was LBG, LBJ that was president at the time. Um, there was a speech prepared for him to. Uh, give in case they couldn't get them it was, home. It, yeah, and that was Nixon. He did pre-record oh, yeah. a speech, um, and it was, uh, actually, I was telling John this earlier, it was already in the can, like, hey, just in case. So that makes complete sense to me because they have more control on that. Yep. You know? So what we saw- They don't for, want to broadcast live to the nation right. the lunar module descending in flames. Yeah. So, and this is the thing, I had a lot of people, well, how come they just don't broadcast? We have the technology. How come it wasn't on a live color TV? This is why. You know, because they wanted to make sure that they maintained and self-contained as best as they could by filming. So basically, all the network cameras were just focused on that one fucking single TV yeah, screen. Yeah, they were broadcasting closed circuit to the networks who had a camera uh, on the on their were, monitor. Right, they were actually they were filming a ten-inch monitor. Yeah, yeah, right. which is part of why a lot of that footage looks so shitty. Yeah, because it's a it's a crappy camera. Focused on a crappy in TV. on a ten inch <laughs> monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other things. So that answers the circuit TV thing. Um, I had, and we talked about the Nixon pre-recorded because I, I stumbled on that. I think that was that's actually pretty good. There's one thing that I had a question for also when we talk about and this. Kind of goes back in photos on some of the videos as well, and then we can get into some of the heavier stuff like the Van Allen belt and other things that you sure. guys have notes on. Um. Lighting, the photos, the shadows. We talked briefly about the shadows, you know, how the moon's lined up, but you guys clarify a little bit more on it. You know, it seems like all the, number one, again, there's thousands and thousands of photos that were taken. A lot of them were framed right. A lot of them were framed great, actually, to be honest with you. There's a lot of light lights, you know, as uh, Neil is coming out of the module or Buzz is coming out of the module of how the light, how the module looks, you know, all that was in color and they were in, in perfect, perfect view. Um, one thing, and this is a, a, a tit picky point. This is one of my points, I guess, more than anything. They're going to the moon. Mm-hmm. They prepped. They practiced hours and hours, weeks and weeks. Okay. We orbited before. 
this isn't the first Apollo mission. This is the 11th, obviously, one through. Right. You know, aside from things that happened. They brought no lights. They brought no, there's no lights on their helmets. They brought no hand lights. They brought yeah, no. Yeah, they didn't need them. It was daytime. Uh, okay, but what if something would have went wrong? What if something would have, what if they weren't on the course that they needed to be on? Then they wouldn't have landed. Yeah. <laughs> You're so mad of me. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, okay. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, they, yeah. they plan for all of this. I mean. They, they calculate the time it takes to get there, when they will arrive, where they'll arrive. And there was a little discrepancy when, um, Neil Armstrong was trying to uh, land. Mm-hmm. He was over a big boulder field, and he landed in the nick of time, um, where he did. But I mean, every, there's not. They don't leave anything to chance. Oh, and I totally so contingencies that. upon contingencies yeah. upon contingencies. Plus, like when Apollo 13 had uh, all that mishap go on, they didn't fucking land. I mean, not just because they couldn't, right. but they were going, like, as soon as they realized that there was a problem, they were like, well, we're not going to land. Yeah. We just got to worry about getting so back. They, I understand they, that. They I just, But I was a Boy Scout, and I know that even though I plan my hiking trail, I'm weight, still going to pack berry yeah, powder. Weight but is every, fucking essential, dude. I was just about to say that. Every single thing you put on that yeah, that requires has weight. fuel, and fuel is heavy, and that makes it harder to get and the rocket off the ground. The heavier it is, I mean, yeah. You're exactly right. You're exactly yeah. right. Yep. So if, they, if, if they, you don't need a light, don't take it. That was yep. the answer I was looking for. So I was looking for. Yeah. Nice and easy, right? Okay. Um, photos, everything. Let me see. What What else we want to dive into? I mean, one of the things that I thought was weird before I ever um, really looked into this is why the flag was moving. So I was like, oh, yeah, that is weird. Why Why is the flag moving? And I mean, that, yes. and it's also, some of these explanations common. are just so Before easy. we move on from the lights, though, yeah. can we talk about, uh, with the photos, how some people say it looks like there are multiple light sources? Yes, please, because I, I was kind of going down that road, but I, you know, just not having a light is more important to me than that. So but yeah. the... Light refraction off the surface of the earth, off their spacesuits, off the lander, off of everything plays hell with the light, with like the light sources. And so, especially with the terrain and everything. And some of the photos were like kind of pano. So they're going to look like the lights coming from two different sources, but mostly it's just light refraction off of all the very reflective services, surfaces that they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, One of the things is when Buzz is coming down, Neil had to stand in the exact place. Like he, they practiced mm-hmm. him standing in the place and his suit was reflecting the sun, which reflected on buzz. Right. And that's why you could see him coming down. Right. So his spacesuit is literally the light that was because illuminating the it's sun. It's a, it's a big white reflective surface. Like I know you've probably been in a photo shoot or two, seen something happen. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything. Wink, wink. So here's, here's the thing. When Mike Barra's, is touting this conspiracy theory on uh, on the truth behind the moon landing. I was losing my shit because I'm like, motherfucker, I know right off screen there's a dude holding two fucking silver foils to get the lighting right on you, and if, and you're sitting here saying, how could how could he be lit like that? <laughs> like, there's a dude in a Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man suit standing right fucking behind him. Of course he's lit. Like, yeah. Anyway. I mean, well, and that just 
stops any any argument on how Buzz Aldrin was able to be photographed coming out of the lander. Right. It's because Neil Armstrong was illuminating Buzz Aldrin with his spacesuit. Boom. There yeah. you go. Science. Yeah. No, that makes totally sense. I'm completely fine with that. Um yeah, and that's yeah. that's a really good point and that's I think a question that a lot of people have. Um was there anything else on the photographs that we wanted to talk about? Um the only other thing I have on the photographs is, and it's minute but it's something uh another listener actually brought up that wrote in. Um when they were t- so we go back to uh, do you want to touch on the Stanley thing right now as long as we're talking photographs and film or do you want to go Um I mean are we going to talk about Briefly, it being faked on the soundstage anymore after this? Or? Yeah, no, not after this. I'm done okay. after this. Yeah, let's so, do that because I think that's beat to shit. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, so a couple things. Uh, there was a rock that was in a bunch of the not a bunch of the films, but a few pictures, not just one picture. But it plainly you can see a C stamped on the rock, and so a lot of people say, "Oh, well, that's a stage rock." You know, they're on the soundscapes. They're trying to do this whole fake thing. That was a stage rock that was pro- it was put on differently. Basically, it was, should have been spun around. It wasn't, and it's pretty obvious that there's a yeah, C on there. Think it's a prop rock. Exactly, that's what they're saying. Um, with the Stanley Kubrick thing, there's a couple things that they were talking about. So one thing with Stanley Kubrick was they had NASA actually. He was using the same. So it was a film that he did before 2001. So just to put this in perspective a little bit, and this is another conspiracy thing that I, I just, we're going to throw it out there because people believe in this and they believe in it so much that there actually is a documentary about it, which I find fucking crazy. Um, 2001 was actually made in 1968. Moon landing was performed 1969. Mm-hmm. The same cameras that NASA used for moon landing, Stanley Kubrick used for movies before 2001, one named uh, Barry Lyndon. And I guess uh, I've never seen the movie. I don't know if you guys have. I guess the cinematography is fucking amazing. I'm not sure if they use it for the moon landing, but they used it to film the dark side of the moon. So I don't know if oh, these are the, I don't know if... Okay, well, I read it was the same one that the astronauts had mounted so on their... They, their they gave... NASA did give Kubrick um, cameras. Mm-hmm. They gave him three. Um, but as far as I know, they... Those cameras were used to film the dark side of the moon, not necessarily the moon landing. So I, I don't think I want to get. Okay, I don't, yeah, I don't, don't really want to get that confused with right. with everything. They gave uh, Kubrick three lenses around 66, 67, and they were capable of filming in candlelight. And they were uh, Carl Zeiss planar 50 millimeter lenses mm-hmm. with an F number of 0.7. And the smaller the F number, the larger the aperture means allowing more light to come in. Right. So, and NASA used this lens to film the dark side of the moon. Okay, gotcha. Other Kubrick thing was, there was an FX guy that worked with him, right, that you had in your notes? Douglas Trumbull. And then we can wrap this up because I mentioned because a lot of people still believe in this. Well, uh, like there was a documentary about The Shining that came out a couple years ago. It's like room 217 or 313 or I can't remember the room number, but... Um, and it's really interesting because it's just like about the movie, but also about Kubrick in general. And, and one of the uh, theories that gets put forth in this movie about The Shining is that uh, 2001 was a uh, rehearsal for faking the moon landing. That's, yeah. And um, 
But if it was, it was pretty piss fucking poor. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, fucking shitty But show. especially the part where they filmed them on the moon is like all fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's cool, but it's, I mean, it's still definitely visually not. captivating. Yeah. yeah. I think it still holds up. Yeah, it looks cool for sure. I guess, I just mean it's nothing like. Not scientifically accurate. No. And conspiracy theorists, haters would say it was like, well, of course he didn't do it exactly the way that they would fake the moon landing because that would be giving it away. But it's just, it's, it's an argument that doesn't hold up. And the reason uh, why NASA is open about this stuff and they're willing to give people lenses or Mm -hmm. share information and be like, here's the exact thing with the lunar man, the Capricorn one. Yeah. Or whatever. The reason why they're willing to share this information and the specs on the lunar lander and all this stuff is because they have nothing to hide. And they're like, there Remind you go. me of that point. I'll come back to that. But like, I got I got a couple points. Here's on the information. Do what you want with it. Like this is public info. Like there's we're not And these nerds watch movies too. They want good movies made about the stuff they're interested in. Exactly. Yeah, they're humans too. So, um, so do we want to, I think we're done with that talk with photo. Yeah. And, video and I mean, and basically it up. boils down to Douglas Trumbull, um, awesome special effects, legendary mm-hmm. one Oscars and everything. Um, and he just says there's no basis in fact that either him or Kubrick had any involvement in the filming slash faking the moon landing. Yeah. And yeah. Kubrick would have needed him to accomplish that. His yeah, right hand man. He was the guy that. Made everything look super fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so there, put a pin in that fucking Kubrick yeah. conspiracist. It's a fun conspiracy, though. It is. I like it. You know, it's funny. Yeah. You know, it's no, nice it's to think like, about. Uh, it. If yeah. you haven't watched that documentary, it's on Netflix, and it's it's a lot. Yeah, of fun. there's one on Prime too. That's pretty good. It's short. It's like that one, an hour or something like that. The Lunar Project or something. That's one I watched and took a lot of that off of. Um, so, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so I want to just address the flag waving really quick. Yeah, let's because do that. that is one of the things before I even looked into this that I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? Why is that? No atmosphere, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so why does the flag wave? Fair question. Um, and it's just the. It's simp- not waving. It's just the no. simplest answer ever, and it's. The waving of the flag comes from the handling of the flag. They're bumping into it. They're moving it. And there's no atmosphere. There's no, there's yeah, no there's air. There's no to, resistance. There's zero resistance. So things can move. Wait a minute, John. In space. How come it's out like that? And it looks like it's waving in the wind. Also, like if you look at that footage where that people are like, look, it's waving in the wind. The bottom of it's like still curled up and not moving. Yeah. And it's like, if it's waving in the wind, why isn't the whole fucking thing moving? They had to fucking unpack the fucking thing, yeah. first of all. And second of all, it had a horizontal bar that came out. Yep. That made it Because stiff. there's no atmosphere. What are we going to have a fucking- blow it out. Right. And yes. make it are we Are we going to have a flaccid fucking flag on the moon? That's embarrassing yeah, so for all in aliens. 1969, yeah. the year of the 69. <laughs> yeah, not. right. The crinkling of the flag is because it was packed extremely tight. Yeah. And it was in a heat-resistant shroud. And, I mean, it's just such a simple answer. So, yeah, I mean, and the reason they had to jam that bar in for the flag, and it ended up jamming in crooked, and that's why you get that little crook in the flag as well. Um, So, I mean, the reason you see any movement is because 
they're banging, they're trying to jam that flag into the moon. That's a Bopler one. You're, you're trying to get it landed into the fucking ground. You know, people. they're trying to get in there and they're knock, they're, you know, bumping the flag. And I mean, they should just find just a, like a mole hole to put it in. That would have held it up. But, well, I mean, no. if they were faking it, yeah. Right. <laughs> or if they were faking it, they wouldn't have had so much fucking trouble with the goddamn flag. They would have already had a spot yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. set up for it. it. Was so we, we got a mole they, hole. Yeah, it was so hard that they bent the oh. rod that they were trying to stick in it. Been there, done that. Dang. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, that's that was one of the things that I was like, yeah, why is that? And then once I heard the explanation, I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just uh, so yeah. simple. Occam's razor, you know? Dude, um, Mythbusters did an episode on like conspiracy theories about the moon landing a few years ago. And they specifically did that one. And uh, they went to NASA. Haters are going to say NASA interfered, but they went to a NASA facility and were like, and put the flag, put a replica flag in like a vacuum chamber and shook it. And it did the same shit. Like that's just, that's what's going to happen when you touch something. Yeah. And there's no atmosphere. Yes. Thank you. Did you want to specifically go into something? Because there's one thing that I kind of want to cover, not really in depth, but I think take a conversation with it. Because this is, I think this is one, when we were talking about doing this this whole episode, um, you brought this up as, well, there's one thing that really made you not doubt, but wonder, and it was the Van Allen belt. Right. I mean, this is a huge one. Yeah, this was yeah. the thing where I was like, okay, because in, in, uh, Oh, I don't know. Years ago, like I was when someone was like trying to tell me it was fake, I was like, bullshit. And they were like the Van Allen belts. And I was like, what are those? And I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, there's like, this is a really great point. There's no good way around this barrier that's around the earth. And on top of that, when they discovered the Van Allen belts, they were firing nuclear missiles into them. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Like, I remember reading about that. Shit. Like they were detonating, like, and the fucking balls of the U.S. government, like, we might set the atmosphere on fire. Fuck it. Shoot yeah. it. Uh, yeah, this is kind of getting off topic, but they were blowing up insanely powerful nu- nuclear weapons in our atmosphere, and they thought that they could blow up the ozone a little bit and the our entire atmosphere would catch fire. Yeah. And apparently that was just a risk they were willing to take. Yeah, and that was what a risk they the were... fuck? And, and they were like, well, it will repair itself. It's kind of like uh, when I want to wear underwear more than one day in a row. You know, that's a risk I'm willing to take, but the atmosphere? Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, cool, we might end all life on Earth, or I don't know, fuck it. Roll the dice. Hit the button. So, um, God bless the military industrial complex. <laughs> it was when I, uh, when I was looking into like those nuclear launches and then found out about the Van Allen belts. And I was like, well, if they set off a few nukes, they've got to be like hella radioactive. Right. And that was the only thing that ever made me question it was just like, how did you deal with that? And I remember like I was at work, probably could have been using my time better, but I was like, how did NASA get through the Van Allen belts? Typey, typey, typey. And the explanation I found at the time, I was like, okay, NASA, maybe, maybe this is plausible. But for a while I was kind of like, I just don't believe it. And then um, I was like, oh, fuck it. It's, I don't know. Anyway. um, Well, explain to us 
how they got through them. So they straight up, so the Van Allen belts, um, Google it. If we ever figure out how to do show notes, we'll put this, put a picture of them in the show notes, but they're like radioactive donuts around the earth. And there's two of them, correct? Right. Yeah. There's an inner and outer. And yeah, I, I've got some miles for them just so everybody knows sure. kind of in reference because I know, you know, this is what gets confusing to a lot of people is, wait a minute, we have the space shuttle in the space. We got the International Space Station up there. How come they're not affected? Yeah, because they're in low Earth orbit. They're in low Earth orbit, and this is why. So the Van Allen belts roughly start, and give or take, depending on how bad the radiation is, seasons, things like that, um, around 400 miles above us. So when you talk about low orbit, everything's below that. And they can go as far as 60,000 miles out, right. being that the moon's 250,000, give or take 10,000 miles. Um, that 60,000 fluctuates between like 45,000 and 60, roughly. The upper belt, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, a little bit more hazardous yeah. because of what's right. in it and how the radiation is, rather than the lower one. But yeah, you're right. Basically, there are two radial belts that circulate the Earth. These have to go through, but that's where they start, and that's the range. Right. And, and the problem that I had with the NASA explanation was, so the NASA explanation is we just kind of flew around the inner belt because it's smaller, and you like if you ever see a picture of them, like you could definitely just get around it. And then, uh, and then they were like, and then we just like found a lower radiation area and punched through the outer belts and i was like that's where i was i was like okay nasa but really how did you do that because you didn't have lead lined well it'd be too capsules heavy and shit yeah they, they couldn't do that with yeah there's there's no way i mean that would be ideal to line the capsule yeah. in lead but that's way too heavy so here's some more facts on the van allen belt and then you have some facts to follow up with this um and this is so i backtracked a little bit i didn't go through like nasa astronauts van allen belt type thing i went right to what is van allen belt What's the theory? What's going on? Principles of such, basically. Right. I took the whole NASA Apollo bullshit out of it just so I had some facts. Um, so we know where they start and where they end. Okay. Two mm -hmm. belts going on. Um, that is, so you need, so a satellite, for example, obviously we have thousands of satellites up in the atmosphere. We need to protect those satellites because the Van Allen belt will fry them as well. Everything that's on board of them, usually. So they have to, they found they have to at least shield any satellite that goes up with three millimeters of aluminum. Usually that makes sure that that probe, that satellite can get through the Van Allen belts where they want to go. So even a probe or a satellite that goes through on its normal trajectory, depending on wherever it's launched, uh, catches 25 SV exposure, which is basically the radiation level of exposure. Just to put that into reference, a uh, lethal dose for a human is five SV. So probes and satellites will pick that up. Humans will get a little bit da da da. But again, you go back to the three millimeters of aluminum, and then you had uh, some info on the actual probe itself. Well, uh, the outer shell of the capsule uh, was made out of stainless steel surrounding an inner shell of aluminum with several inches of fiberglass in between and uh, less than three inches of steel and aluminum in the walls of the capsule. Also, so I mean, that's... That's right there. Yeah. Gonna, on yeah. paper, it doesn't sound like enough. No, absolutely not. But um, I mean, they've they've tested this, and so with the Van Allen belt, the first one, they their trajectory, they just went straight through. They like juked the Van Allen belt. Yeah, they the went first like one. north over the top of it. Like they didn't necessarily go through the first one, and then the second one is what they had to worry about, and. 
the amount of coverage that they had between the steel and the aluminum and the fiberglass protection of them in the capsule and the amount of time it took them to go through the second right. belt was enough protection for them to easily get through it. So like that was the only thing that ever gave me pause was because of like the outer Van Allen belt is the higher, more deadly radiation right? and it's bigger. But uh, one of the things that I really liked about uh, the truth behind the moon landing was like, they would go into labs to physically prove stuff to Mike Barra. And uh, cause I remembered reading years ago, like how they got through it, but couldn't remember exactly how. And I was like, Oh, how did they do that? And they go into this lab and they have like some demonstrations with like some just like radioactive pellets. And they put just like a piece of plastic over it. And they're like, and then drop a Geiger counter into it. And they're like, see how much this blocks. And this is just a piece of plastic. Like the materials that the capsule was made out of were more than enough. And also like the way radiation works is like high radiation. I'm going to, well, there's different forms out, of radiation too. That's different forms thing. from different particles and also like the time you're exposed. Right. Like they were fucking hauling ass. Like it took them. So I think what I read on a few things was they were only in the upper Van Allen belt for a little under two hours. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking, you know, even at 60,000 miles up, took them three days to travel 250,000 miles roughly. So that equates about right where, you know, yeah. how long they're going to be in this section type thing. The only question I had past that was when they got to the moon. Obviously, you're exposed to fucking mass radiation because the sun is right there. There's no atmosphere. How is that monitored and controlled? Because I saw the little blurb on um, NASA when they, you know, because they recorded what their exposure limit was when they went through the Van Allen belts. And right. it fluctuated from like 1.5 to 2 to 3. Nobody ever got nowhere near 5. Um, but yeah. well, when you land the moon, you're still dealing with radiation, right? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, the sun's right there, and you don't have an ozone layer to protect you. Yeah, there's nothing. So, I mean, but wouldn't that come into play the 21 layers of spacesuit? I would think so. That's a way for it. But different missions had different times. So Apollo 11 was up there for a little over two hours, like two, two and a half or something like that. For some reason, I thought they were up there for a day. Well, Apollo 13, for, or no, Apollo 14, I think, was up there for like seven and a half hours. And they were playing golf and bouncing around and circle jerking each other off. I, I don't know if that was... I saw that video. Did you guys catch that one? I might have been on the wrong YouTube. I don't know. Uh, I didn't catch a circle jerk, but I did no catch circle jerk? golf. I think yeah. you were probably on Red Tube. Oh, touche. And now we know what Shane's tastes are. <laughs> i got to clean my cachet out. But they were up there for most of the day. So oh, yeah. uh, other missions. Yeah. I, I, but this I think initial I was mistaken one. on that. Yeah, how wild is it? it? It's just wild to think that... You, go all that way, like travel three weeks to jump out the car for two hours and then jump back in. But I mean, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Per, like this is a perfect example. Like that was the first time we didn't know. Right. Enough what we're doing to what's like, going on. Be yeah. there for a long time. Right. So anything to add, because I think that's a big one. And I had people ask me about that one too. What the fuck about the radiation? What about the Van Allen belt? How'd they get out there? This is why we lower it now is because we don't want to go through the belt. This is why the space shuttle and everything else is where it's at. Well, yeah, there's no reason to fuck with the belts if you're not going somewhere. That's, yeah, true. That's also yeah, the We don't have a like destination. The space so, shuttle was to service the space stations. Pretty much. Like, and just do like 
yeah, experiments. It wasn't out meant there. to fly me to the moon. Oh god, oh, Jesus, calm yeah, down, cut Tom that Lee fucking Jones. shit out. <laughs> but um, it you know like it wasn't meant to be what I always thought it was when I was growing up, which is like space plane, right? But it was for low Earth orbit stuff. So this is interesting, just again, out of respect for um, for Neil. You know, this is something that, uh, number one, I didn't know. Neil was kind of a, of a recluse to a certain point. He didn't really have a lot of interviews from his time. He he had some tragedy in his life, and I think maybe that lent to it. Yeah. But he really wasn't in the spotlight whatsoever. Yeah, well, he, uh, he didn't want to be remembered for just this one thing. Right. Because right. he thinks that it was just, happenstance and circumstance that it happened to be him yeah that ended up fate being, fate landing yeah, on yeah i mean yeah. and you know he'd done so many other things in his life so many great things that he didn't yeah. want to be de- defined by this one act yeah. and while we think it's the most incredible crazy act in the world yeah he, that's one part of his story how humbling is that though yeah you know what i mean yeah speaking of humbling here we are that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Do you recall how you came up with that? A small step for a man. What was the inspiration for it? Well, I thought, well, when I step off, it's just going to be a little step. It's going to be a step from there down to there. But then I thought about all those 400,000 people that had given me the opportunity to make that step and thought, it's, it's going to be a big something for all those folks and indeed a lot of others that even weren't even involved in the project. So it was a, a, a kind of a simple correlation of thoughts. Yeah, kind of amazing. You know, nothing else just out of respect. And it's kind of cool to, to say that. Um, I think there's more to this. So this is going to kind of wrap up part one, I think, because we've got a lot more that we want to kind of deal with. Um, And I think next part, there are some questions I still haven't answered, but we mentioned Apollo one, we mentioned Thomas bear, we mentioned some other things. And I I think it's pertinent to talk about them. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, we should. Can I just say how nonchalant Neil Armstrong takes landing on the moon? Right. Like like, it was cool. Yeah, you know, I was feeding the ducks one day. Like it's just his friend. It's It's like how I would think. Like, yeah, I played England yesterday. Like, yeah, fine. Like, you know, I played a show in England. It's just so cool. Oh yeah, I did that tour in Europe or something. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's a lot of uh, Mr. Armstrong. Yeah, you landed on the fucking moon. Can you at least look a little excited? But also, (laughs) he was in Congress for however long after that, like I'm sure he probably actually does feel like he's done other more important things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he accomplished, I think, you know, for a guy, I think he accomplished a lot in his life that Jesus, even an eighth of, I would be happy with. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I said, that was, I'd be happy to be able to be a pilot, let alone a test pilot, like let alone an astronaut, let alone a, yeah. Can I be the guy that lays a mat out when you actually land on the moon? I'll just put it down like a rug. Can I be that guy? Yeah. You know, just ask I mean, me. And yeah, that was one little blip of his life. Yeah. He was uh, like, oh, I was young. Amazing. Whatever. 
It's just amazing. Um, so hopefully you enjoy this. Stand by for part two here next week. Uh, you can follow us, strangejungles at gmail.com. Email us, please. You can call us at 801-252-6945. Tell us your story. Let us know uh, Let us know what you've seen, what you experienced, and we'll be more than happy to have you on the phone. And um, uh, Also, please uh, rate and review... Us yes, on iTunes. We'll know you're be... true fans if you talk about what a fucking worthless barnacle I am. Yes. Oh, don't use that harsh word. What a sack of shit Josh is. Please. Um, <laughs> Shane and but... John are cool. Josh is a fucking idiot. <laughs> Please rate and review the podcast. That helps us more than you know. Um, Gives us, us good feedback. Follow us on Instagram at... You so... can follow us at Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter at... Strange Uncles Pod. See, so... Shane has it down. Yeah. Enjoy it. Um, I think we're doing good. And then we also got a YouTube channel we're trying to get off the ground, although we don't have a lot of content. But after this weekend, I'm hoping maybe we'll have some content. Uh, we got a field we, we trip we're taking. Th- yeah, we got some things yeah. in the mix. I, I think we're doing I think we're doing okay. So again, let us know what you think. Um, we can't do this without the love from you guys. And uh, close the gates. Close the gates. Close them. <laughs>